Looking for a way to level up your coaching and win more? Get better fast with GMS Plus. GMS Plus is your on-demand source for the best, most proven volleyball courses, drills, stats, videos, tips, and much more. Learn from some of the game's winningest coaches and players, including Heather Olmsted, Keegan Cook, John Spraw, Mike Wall, and Courtney Thompson. I've learned a great deal from Gold Medal Squared, as have many of our guests. Whether you're trying to win a state championship or an Olympic gold medal, GMS Plus will help you get there. And we have a Coach Your Brains Out code for listeners. To get 20% off an annual subscription, go to goldmedalsquared.com slash CYBO and enter the code CYBO. That's goldmedalsquared.com slash CYBO. Welcome to Coach Your Brains Out, the show that explores learning and leadership from the top minds in volleyball and beyond with your hosts, John Mayer and Billy Allen. We're excited to welcome back to the show the head coach at Arkansas University, Jason Watson. Jason, thanks for joining us once again. Yeah, this is always fun, you know, so uh, thanks for having me. Uh, we have a uh, huge congratulations in order. Uh, amazing season for your team at Arkansas. You guys uh, went 28 and six, went all the way to the elite, elite eight. Uh, you set all sorts of new records for Arkansas volleyball. So, uh, so fun. You know, we were following along and you're definitely the, my favorite team to watch. And, uh, yeah, it was amazing. So, so curious, just as you finish a season like that, do you take time to celebrate it or is it just right back to pass that hit and get to work? Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, it's interesting, right? I don't know if, um, I, I should have taken more time to enjoy it during the season than I did, but, um, as you guys know, right. Do you, you're on to the next one and, and you're trying to figure out, you know, how you're going to win the next one or, or whatever the new challenge is. But uh, I'm really uh, personally uh, just taking a lot of joy uh, satisfaction out of the fact that uh, is this bunch of kids that uh, somehow randomly ended up at Arkansas and we got to be a, a fairly nice volleyball team is is uh, yeah, it's pretty cool. Um, so, yeah, I'm enjoying it now. Um, but during it, it was, oh boy, how, how are we going to beat Kentucky? You know, awesome. and then J- Jason, what is your postseason reflection process? And I guess, does it change after such a successful season? Yeah. Uh, I, I don't know if it's, I'm there yet. You know, I think, cause you, you come out of the season, you get into this transfer portal stuff and, and, and now it just seems like it's just another day in the office with that recruiting, you know, it's a weird space to be in. Uh, the longer your season goes in the postseason, the more you feel like you're behind in recruiting the transfer portal. And that's a weird space to be in, you know, but, um, uh, but uh, you know, I'm, I'm moving forward with uh, you know, what does next year's team look like um, uh, asking some pretty important questions about uh, systems and asking some questions about uh, personnel. Um, but uh, we're fortunate at Arkansas that school doesn't go back till the 16th of January. So we've got a little bit of time, you know, we get a month and, um, and I need to decompress, you know, um, you know, how that's a roller coaster ride as a coach. And um, so I'm looking forward to shutting it down here for a bit and then uh, kind of answering some of those questions uh, January 1st, but, um, but uh, excited about our team for sure. What's, what's shutting it down for you? Uh, so I'm not shaving. Um, (laughs) uh, my goal is to go to the sec meetings in January, unrecognizable. Um, uh, and, uh, we live outside of Fayetteville a little bit. Uh, we, uh, are fortunate to own a little bit of property out there. And so, 
uh, got a couple of chainsaws. I uh, got a mulcher. Uh, mm-hmm. And so we're going to uh, mulch up some stuff and have a bit of a bonfire and um, do all the things that you can do in Arkansas that you probably can't do other places in the United States. And, uh, uh, and so that's it. We're not traveling anywhere, but, um, but I do like, uh, I do like where I live and chance I get to kind of cut stuff down and mulch it. That's kind of, uh, yeah, that's, that's kind of a healthy aggression uh, release right there. That's great. Well, it's well-deserved. I hope you enjoy the, the mulching and yeah. uh, enjoy the lack of shaving and, and yeah. uh, you don't, don't need to rush into the, the future. Uh, yeah. To- it's a sad reflection upon my life. I know, but, uh, <laughs> but it is, it is what it is, you know? Yeah. I think it's an important piece of the whole process is finding ways to, to slow down and decompress and, and, uh, and just enjoy life for a little bit. Yeah. Um, okay. So we had a, a topic we wanted to get into this idea of evolving as a coach is I've, I've heard yeah. from kind of the people around you, some of the uh, people you've mentored and people who know you've have mentioned, like, I think he's really evolved. He's changed through the years as I've, I've talked to him. And that's something that I, I've, I really admire. And uh, I think it's really difficult to do, especially with someone like you who's been so successful and, and uh, at so many different levels. So I was curious uh, what helped you be open to changing and, uh yeah how how have, how have you changed yeah I, a couple of good questions there i i think um i, I don't ever really want to be stagnant in um in in what i what i do you know and i think there's a, a lot of really healthy information now out there about uh learning and uh and what your practice environment should look like and um and um fascinated uh by that i'm fascinated by errors i'm fascinated by the nature of errors and what causes them um not all errors are because people aren't wanting to work hard sort of thing and so um and so that kind of triggered some stuff and during COVID, i got my masters and um and that uh enabled me to kind of look at some things uh, from a little bit different uh, perspective. So that was kind of the catalyst behind this. Um, and um, I think fundamentally where I've changed really is um, uh, I'm, I'm wanting to make sure that everything that I do is in the right context. Um, and um, and so that's been really um fascinating for me uh like practices i I really like practice the matches i don't like so much but i I really like practice i think the matches are for the kids you know um um they're not from for me you know they're that's their moment and uh i see in college volleyball right now like a lot of coaches are making matches about themselves on the sideline and it's a really uncomfortable space for me but um uh, but I do love practice. And so the idea of practice format and things like that is fascinating to me. And context is what I think is is important. Um, and moving away from this idea that uh, first and foremost, we have to teach fundamentals. Um, I, I don't want to be as bold to say that fundamentals don't exist, but I don't know if they exist at the level that I think we see people teaching uh, the sport. Um uh, uh, what, uh, I really am kind of moving towards is, uh, creating a space in practice where I'm, I'm attuning my athletes to, um, uh, pertinent sources of information, uh, and getting them to understand maybe some pattern recognition of what's going on. And then 
also to have everything in um, some contextual awareness of what's going on around them sort of thing. And so that's where practices are trending for me. And that's a big evolution for me from uh, this idea that we need to be technically correct and mechanically efficient to, um, hey, what are you seeing? And based upon what you're seeing, what tool are you applying to that? And is it in the right context? So, um, and if we layer that even further with practice, um, uh, writing practices where I'm getting you to get better at something without telling you what it is that you need to be getting better at. Because I think once I do that, um, then learning is different, right? It's just, it's just different because you know what's, what's going on sort of thing. And, um, and so it takes me a little bit longer to write some practices than I used to be just because I'm, I'm worried about some of those constraints and, uh, and what, what they do. And so uh, that's a really fascinating question, actually. Um, and uh, I love it. I actually love it. And um, I'm not sure if that's an even concise answer to a really good question, no, but it's, it's a, a difficult question, actually. Yeah, no, it's a, it's really cool to hear the evolution. What, what was the master? What would you get masters in? Uh, I got it in physical education here at yeah. here at Arkansas, and um, uh, you know, COVID seemed like a strange time to do it, but it was also a wonderful time to do it because, uh, you know, I had some time actually. You know, we're, we're all in quarantine and we're all you know going crazy doing nothing, so I figured it was a good time to do it. And I I got to follow up on the uh, idea of fundamentals potentially not existing because um, I I've. Uh, wrestled with the same thoughts um maybe could you define what fundamentals means i feel like people hear that word and it means a lot of different things and then yeah why you've kind of come to that place yeah and so i i think uh, yeah, on my whiteboard i have a number of whiteboards in my office um and on my whiteboard uh, i wrote um hey if we're going to teach fundamentals then probably the fundamental that we should teach is uh uh, reading, right? Looking at the right things at the right time. Um, and, um, and I think what most coaches look at fundamentals is, uh, Hey, how I hold my hands and, and how I, you know, maybe bow and arrow when I serve. And I, I look at those, those type of things. And then we go about teaching those fundamentals in the context that doesn't ever look like the game. Um, and, um, and, and so, that paradigm shift for me, if you will, is that that I think it's probably easier to teach fundamentals as you view them in the mechanics of some stuff, because uh, I can do that in some part stuff and and probably without any variability, which is terrible. Um, uh, teaching anything without variability is probably not in the athlete's best interest and, and probably a waste of time for them, to be quite honest. Um, and um, uh but I think if you shift and, and say, hey, the biggest thing that I can teach, the biggest fundamental is getting you to see, uh, know, and respond. Uh, that fundamental is paramount to the success in our sport, in my opinion. Uh, and, um, and, and we don't ever do that, right? We don't ever do that um, uh, very much. And, and it's rampant everywhere, right? I mean, TikTok, Instagram, um, uh, coaches are getting bombarded with images of, of coaching that is so out of context with what 
they actually have to go do and, and, and play. So that's been a shift. I mean, I was a pretty big mechanically efficient, technically correct guy where, uh, Hey, you know, your thumbs are overlapping. They shouldn't overlap. And, uh, you know, you're at this angle with your feet and all of that kind of stuff, thinking that I was coaching and, and probably in, in some way, shape or form, I was coaching in a manner that I saw my peers coaching and, you know, and feel like I needed to copy them. But, uh, these days, uh, I could care less about that stuff. <laughs> I don't, <laughs> I, I could care less, uh, but, but again, at the college, I have the ability to recruit what I'm tolerable, right? Right. I, I get to recruit the athletes who are performing the skill that within the tolerance that I have for that skill. So, so maybe if I'm coaching 11 year olds and 12 year olds, I'm going to act a little bit differently, but, um, um, but, but even then I think, you know, I mean, uh, even then I, I would think, okay, I got to put this in the right context. So did that, did that, uh, yeah. Okay. Perfect. Easy question. Yeah. You nailed it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. These are, I, but I love these questions. They're really challenging questions. And, yeah. and, um, and, and that's to your point, right? I think we need to challenge each other as coaches mm -hmm. in this space to provide a better learning environment for our athletes. Um, mm -hmm. Not interested in wasting their time doing stuff that, that isn't going to, help them get to be better volleyball players. And, um, um, and, and I feel bad for the athletes that I coached 10 years ago, because I feel like I wasted all of this time and they could have been so much better uh, if I had it just been a better volleyball coach. Well, we want to, we want to dive in more and get into some practical examples of how you've applied these changes. But I guess to start, you mentioned there's a lot of information out there. Where do you look for sources or resources, you know, to give yourself some of these ideas or like, articles that would spark change? Yeah, I mean, I think there's some some people on Twitter. I mean, you've had, I mean, the preeminent people in the space on your podcast. It's it's been phenomenal. I mean, um, just in the sport of, I mean, I think Casey Cried is doing an amazing amount of stuff in this space, and uh, and what he's done at UMBC is just phenomenal. Right? And 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 probably nobody's paying attention to it because he's at UMBC, you know, and, and other than uh, us. other than you guys, yeah, and. Um, uh, who, who else have you had on Harvey, uh, seen, um, I don't know Harjeev. if I said that right. Yeah. Harjeev, yeah. Yeah. I mean, you follow that guy on Twitter and you're going to be a better coach, you know? Mm -hmm. And, um, and it's that simple. Right. And then Rob Gray's doing a whole bunch of stuff in, in that space, but he gets into the weeds that, I mean, I can't follow some of that stuff. I mean, those guys are like elite in, into that, into that space. And so, um, and so there's plenty of those people. Um, uh, and I think there's an enormous amount of information coming out of Europe in terms of soccer and things mm -hmm. like that in the, in that, in that space. And, uh, there's a couple of Australians that are pretty good in that space too. And so that makes me happy, you know? <laughs> um, um, and, um, but there's a lot of not good stuff out there too, you know, that, that, is uh, probably bells and whistles more than it is uh, this, but it's hard to change, you know? And, and uh, I think what's hard is people have this romanticized version of feedback, right? That uh, everything's a Disney movie, you know, who do you play for? And that's going to inspire, you know, to be, to be great. And, um, but uh, these kids are getting feedback everywhere all the time when they're playing volleyball, they're getting feedback and it's not just verbal. It's, you know, they're getting feedback uh, within the context of the game. And 
um, and, and you got to give them some space to process that stuff, I think. But, uh, but yeah, there's a lot of really intelligent people out there. If you, if you're going to, yeah, follow them and, and, and stuff, and then try to apply it, that, that gets to be the hard part, right? Like, how do you apply that stuff in your gym? Probably that's the next question, right? Yeah. Let's hear it. How yeah. do you apply it? Yeah. So I'll, I'll walk you through practice. Um, and, um, and this is, uh, what I this is what I think and so practice for us has three kind of phases um uh actually four let's go with four um uh we start every practice with a lift um so we lift every day uh before practice and that's uh 30 to 40 minutes and I love it for a number of reasons has that has your lifting perspective changed as you've yeah okay yeah, I was like, why are we even bothering um, at one point in my career? Um, mainly because we couldn't get a consistent lift in. Um, the SEC schedule is horrible for consistency. It's all over the place, you know. And um, and, and so, um, but there's some some benefits to lifting. And there's some benefits, I think, to starting practice with the lift. Uh, so now they come into practice warm. Um, we used to lift at the end of practice, but that was terrible. Um Turns out that athletes, for the most part, um, uh, are able to regulate effort at a really, really good level if they know the duration and frequency in which they've got to put forth effort. You know, and 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 so uh, if we lift it after practice, practice is on the whiteboard, so we know what it is that how long practice is going to go for. We know the drills because we only have like four or five drills that we do, and and so they know what that looks like but they don't know what lifting looks like so they were holding back a little bit in practice to make sure they had the required energy for lifting right but when you put lifting at the beginning now lifting's over even if it's an unknown entity you know we know lifting's going to be for 35 minutes and then you get into practice and you look at the whiteboard and you know how long practice is going to be and how hard you can go for and so that's been a better model um and um and so we've seen we've done that for like two years now where we lift before and We've seen some noticeable gains in um, uh, in jump uh, numbers. Uh, uh, kids are hitting their best jump numbers at the end of the season. Um, and uh, so there's some benefits to that. Also, they come in and you know how teams are, right? They want to talk about their day and, they, you know, they want to catch up and they want to gossip and they want to do that. And, and that space is important but nauseating for me. And so now they can do it in the weight room and our strength coach can monitor that and now they can just walk into practice and get to go. And so we, we walk into practice, uh, they're warm, and uh, we have a half-court doubles ladder. And uh, we do doubles half-court, two-on-two, uh, every day, every day. And um, uh, we ladder them in the traditional sense that, hey, if you win, you go up a court. If you lose, you go down a court. Uh, and we do it again. Uh, we crown the doubles champion with a big gold medallion because uh, they're the winner and uh, the person at the bottom of the ladder has to crown them with that or um, uh, I didn't come up with that idea someone else did and, um, and then it evolved into the person at the bottom of the ladder had to put a cape on to then go crown them it was a fascinating deal but um, but that's the most competitive thing that we do nobody wants to be at the bottom of the ladder everybody wants to be at the top of the ladder and what we've seen with the ladder is the the longer you're in our program uh, the more likely you are to be at the top of the ladder. And that's not a skill thing. I think that that is, uh, in our sense, a fundamental thing. 
in that um, uh, you are better attuned to pertinent sources of information playing doubles than you are when you first get here. Um, you just play doubles better because you're seeing the right things in the right time to be able to go to go do that. So uh, then we'll work into some system work and then we'll play some sixes. But um, but everything that we do, simply put, uh, is initiated with a serve. Uh, we don't do anything that's not initiated with a serve. Um, and um, we don't like anything that is um, not in context. So um, serving at a mat to get better at serving is not something that we believe in because uh, there's no context to that. Uh, I want you as a server to understand the uh, impact that your serve has. Uh, is the athlete, are they in system or are they out of system? Um, and, um, and I think that's an important part. You know, you don't get that feedback when you serve at a mat, you know, like eight out of 10 on a mat is what? Eight out of 10 on a mat, you know, that doesn't mean anything, but uh, knocking somebody out of system four out of 10 times, well, that's a big deal, you know? And, and, and so we want that context. Um, so our system work, we put some heavy constraints on that, like, um, hey, we're, we're going to, we have an assistant that's saying, hey, we're going to just serve this seam um, to get good at that, uh, but mix it up a little bit. Um, hey, setters, we want you to kind of, this setter, hey, we want you to kind of set a little bit more right side uh, than you traditionally do. Um, don't tell anyone you're doing that, you know, because then it just affects practice. Um, uh, again, going back to, hey, we want you to get good at stuff without knowing what it is you're getting good at. Maybe pick, you maybe figure it out, right? That's that contextual awareness, patent recognition part. Maybe figure it out. That's fine, but um, but yeah, doing it doing it that way, and um, and then like I said, you know, we got four or five sixes drills that we do, and uh, subtle variations with those, you know, on um, toss, bounce, or whatever, you know, uh, and then that's that, you know, and uh, I think our goal at Arkansas is to play more sixes more volleyball than anyone in the country. And uh, we'll never know if that's true, but, um, but yeah, we don't want to waste their time doing anything other than just playing volleyball. And um, so, so anything like a skill in isolation, like serving in isolation or servers versus passes where, you know, there's no, you're, you're just catching the pass. Um, um, I think, and maybe I'll get some heat for this, but I think is a complete and utter waste of time. Like if you're, going to serve and pass it and catch it, then why don't you just keep playing? Like that seems to me like the important part of volleyball happens after you catch it, you know, like that's the hard part of volleyball, like setting it to a hitter and a hitter hitting it and a, a blocker trying to block it. And then a digger trying to dig it. That seems to me like that's the hard part. Uh, and serving and passing is hard of course, but, but, yeah, I don't believe in doing anything in isolation anymore. I just think it's it's just a complete and utter waste of time. And just to to build off this evolution idea, it'd be cool to hear the contrast of what it was like. I don't know, it was five years ago, yeah. ten years ago, like what a practice looked like. You know, now it's a lot of contacts. There's serving no matter what. There's doubles. There's systems. There's constraint based games. So what would it have looked like previously? Yeah. So at, at Arizona State, we were doing these small group things where it was a lot of perhaps independent reps, right? We'd have 
uh, maybe split court is a better way to say it, right? On one court, we were just working on serving and passing. And on the other court, we were working on set a hitter relationship, right? And so they were split on two different courts, you know, and, um, and, and maybe we would rotate the passes over there and then the setters over here, but, but, but that would be it. Right. And we wouldn't play it out. We would just be doing these split court things and uh, we would do a lot of it. We would do a ton of it thinking of course, that um, uh, we would do the split court work and then put it all together when we played sixes, right. That some in magical way that this independent work we would be doing would then come together in this miraculous sixes drill and uh, off we go. Right. And um, yeah, it doesn't happen that way. You know, it just, it, it doesn't happen that, that way. And, um, and it just seemed like, yeah, like that was such a waste of time. Like we just wasted uh, time, you know? So I feel bad for those, Arizona State teams and the BYU teams I coached before because I feel like we just wasted a whole bunch of time doing stuff that we thought was going to transfer into the game, but just really didn't. And you mentioned like uh, wanting to play everything out and not wasting those reps and catching the ball. When you do system works, system work, that part of practice, you're still like going through a whole yeah. rally? Yeah, we are. We're still going, going, going through that. I think the, the system-based stuff is probably a little bit more heavier constraint than the sixes stuff, you know, just, um, uh, I mean, case in point, um, uh, we're, we've had three athletes here, um, Taylor, Jill, and Courtney, that for three years have passed next to each other in every match, which is uh, pretty remarkable to have that kind of continuity with your passing. Uh, and so they're pretty decent passes collectively. Independently, they're probably not even in the top four, five, ten passes in the NCAA. But collectively, they're probably in the top five. Uh, so that's fascinating, right? Like that's mm -hmm. we could go off on a tangent there, right? Uh, we don't really care if you're the best passer in the NCAA. We care if you're the best trio of passes in the NCAA, probably, right? Um, and but we were getting hit with short serves. Uh, Kentucky exposed us. And then Florida exposed this again, and, and it's, it wasn't a serve that we were doing a lot of in practice. So the traditional sense would be, all right, let's get to some split court work, and I'm going to just give you a bunch of short serves, right? And you're going to get better at passing short serves. Well, the problem with that is you know that they're going to be short serves, and now you're going to respond because you already know. And the difficulty with short serves is that you don't know when they're coming. I mean, there's some cues, right, some, some contextual awareness that you need to be aware of. So we got into some system work and we, hey, we dropped a couple in every now and again with some people who could do it uh, randomly. Uh, and then uh, then we got better at handling short serves. Um, and, um, and, and so we get to the NCAA and people were dropping short serves on us and we were just much better at dealing with it. Um, and um, but we didn't fix it in the traditional sense of, hey, here's the problem. We're going to fix this in isolation. We, we didn't do that at all. Um, just uh, just because we, we don't think it works that way. And when you are in that situation and one of your passers, they're getting these opportunities because maybe you're giving them more short serves than normal. But you see somebody is struggling with that. Like, when do you step in or what does your language sound like now versus yeah. before? 
So the, the language is is probably, hey, what are you looking at? You know, where wh- what's your focus of attention? Um, uh, what is the pattern that are you trying to look at the right things? You know, um, are you present? Um, present's a big deal in our gym. Are you present in the moment that you're in? Or are you worried about the last rep? Or are you thinking about the one that's going to come or something like that, you know? Um, and so, hey, are you present and watching what's going to happen right right now? And so that's uh, that's a big deal on it. And are the people around you supporting you in a manner that they're also providing you um, direction on that um, is a big deal for us. Like, hey, if that short serve is coming to you, then the other passes have a responsibility to, uh, one, help you identify it. Uh, hey, short and put a name on it, right? Hey short Jill, you know, so that they can go, they can go get it. And so we're all attuned to that space. And um, I, I think that's an interesting thing in our gym, the, 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 the importance that we place on peer-to-peer communication in terms of giving direction. I mean, lots of teams make noise, right? Ah, we got an ace, you know, <laughs> everybody has their ace cheer or something like that. And maybe the 11s, that's the most important part of practice is figuring out what your cheers are going to be, you know, but um but but direction, I think, is helpful to that sort of thing. So those are the conversations, you know, like, like, hey, what are you looking at? Uh, what is everybody else looking at to give you direction on that? And um, and then opportunities to respond. And you mentioned that framework of was a see no respond. Yeah. Um, and it sounds like you're directing them to the C part and reading reading the server. What if yeah. you find like something later in the change is, chain is breaking down as far as like the no part? Yeah. Yeah, it, it used to be right where we would be like see and respond, right? Um, and um, what ended up happening there, and this is the example, is um, hey, and these days, you know, you can throw just about anything you want to throw, and nobody's picking up on that. You know, um, uh, people are saying the game's evolving, but I don't know if it's evolving. I just think they don't call anything anymore, um, and um, you know, and then we. <laughs> We hide that under the umbrella of the games evolving, but officials just are letting everything go right now. Um, and um, and so you would have this hitter, right, who straight hand, right, straight arm. Uh, you think tip, right? And people run up to get the tip, and then they throw it deep. And, and so we had to put in this concept of, hey, you got to know where it's going before you respond. And so... Um, but every now and again, right, that chain breaks down, right? And that's, there's an error, right? There's an error. There's some, that it breaks down. And so, so we go back to through the chain, right? Um, hey, did you see it? Yes. Did you know it was going to be short? Well, no, I just guessed. Okay. So we've got to, we've got to slow down that. Or I see it, I know it. And then I didn't respond with the right tool, if you will, right? The right tool for the job sort of thing. Uh, and so, those are, hey, maybe next time, hey, you got to pancake that, right? Or maybe next time uh, when she throws it, you know, you got to, you know, set it or, you know, fist it or something like that, you know. Hey, maybe use the different tool, you know. Uh, let's let's see if we can uh, get the right tool for the right job. And, and, and maybe you don't have that tool at all in your toolbox, right? So now we got to figure out how to get that tool in your toolbox there a little bit um, and 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 so we can explore that space a little bit too. So it's it sounds like and I've heard other people mention that you you've really shifted your emphasis to 
the relationships, the interactions between players, you know, the setter hitter dynamic. Uh, what have you found? Like, wh- what is it? What do your players look like? How do they look differently as opposed to when you trained them, maybe ASU where they had this perfect uh, movement pattern? Like, yeah. how's, how's your team yeah, look different or play differently? Yeah, I, I think one of the best compliments I got this year is um, uh, Susie Fritz. I don't know if you know Sue. Suze was the longtime coach at uh, Kansas State, and they decided to make a coaching change, as ADs do, you know. And uh, and um, and and so uh, she wasn't doing anything, and so I was like, "Hey, come, come be an assistant at Arkansas until you figure out what you're going to do." And so she graciously accepted that, and um, we're being pretty fortunate to have her here. Uh, but the biggest compliment she gave me is that uh, I think your athletes problem solve at a level that I haven't seen before, you know, and I thought, oh, that's that's a pretty cool statement for somebody who is also highly successful in what 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 they do. And um, I think our sport lets our athletes say my bad all the time, right? My bad, my bad. And that's an acceptable form of feedback in lots of places, but it's not actionable, right? There's no actionable change that comes from saying my bad, like, okay, great. But how are we going to fix this problem? And, And that's something that we have to walk through here is, okay, you can say my bad, but then you have to put some actionable change to how we're going to fix this. Right. Because, uh rally school games to 25 are brutally unkind if you're not going to go fix some stuff you know and 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 so we've got to walk them through that 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 process okay it's my my bad well what does that mean you know and so the set hitter relationship sort of thing is um is hey the setters so two things right uh uh, the hitter has a responsibility to be on the right tempo and if the hit is not on the right tempo, then uh, they've got to get on the right tempo and they've got to acknowledge that to the setter. And the setter's responsibility is to put it in the right window uh, at the right tempo um, for the hitters. And if they don't do that, and but the hitter's on the right tempo, then the setter's got to change, right? Otherwise, we're just spiraling out of control, you know? Um, and uh, And so that's the framework. And I think for us, as coaches, um, we've got to spend some time making sure, I'm going to use this river analogy, you know, that the, the, the feedback that the kids give each other is within the banks of the river. Sometimes that feedback just gets to be a flood, right? And it, it doesn't mean anything. And, it's, and so we've got to make sure that the river stays within the banks, you know, and, and um, uh, sometimes the feedback that they give each other is highly emotional, uh, has nothing to do with the play that they're in, you know, um, and and we have to step in and go, hey, let's let's worry about this, right? Let's keep the river within the banks, sort of thing of, of what it is that we can control, and and um, and and I, I I love that, and and I love the same thing is happening with our passes, where um, you know they're talking about scenes and responsibilities, they're talking about tendencies, they're talking about things, they're front loading as much information as they can before they go they go play, they're trying to remember. Uh, patent recognition they're trying to remember something so they're talking to themselves uh a lot and um and it's actionable that's the thing right it's it's actionable and and uh that i think takes some time right 
because you got to catch them saying things the right way and you got to catch them saying things the wrong way and then you know uh try and get the river within the banks again, again a little bit and and um and so athletes come to us who, who who think you know that just saying my bad is enough you know like hey my bad okay okay great but wow way to take personal responsibility for that play that's awesome yeah. but what now what now right i mean what now you know that you know and i also think you know kids say my bad but they don't really think it's their bad you know they yeah. just they, they say that so that you, you don't know. coach them you know 